Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast, sponsored as always by Running Aces Casino, Racetrack, and Hotel, and website AMP. And we have another one of our chats editions of the podcast, which means we get to talk to cool people. Uh, and tonight we are going to be talking with Carlos Welch. You guys know him. We've had him on here before. Uh, and we did book him before his big win, but of course we are going to talk about that. He's got a World Series of Poker bracelet now, uh, but he is a poker player, he's a coach, he's a writer, uh, and he just binked that tournament. So we're going to chat with Carlos in a second. Uh, first, let's introduce our panel. Uh, my name is Steve Fredland. I go by Rec Poker Steve in the Poker Stars home game, and I'm going to quote Carlos Welch. He said, I am an overnight success, 15 years in the making. Uh, and I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on PokerStars and Twitter, and I'm really excited for this conversation. And I'm Jim Reed, uh, Blusterini in the home game, and you can learn all about me and the other members of the Wrecking Crew at rec.poker slash crew. And I'm John Somsky, also known as Poker Geek MN Everywhere. And I have a quote from Joe Laurie Jr. If you play bridge badly, you make your partner suffer. But if you play poker badly, you make everybody happy. <laughs> nice. Well, John, thanks for making us all happy all the time. We really, really do appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that's why I do what I do. <laughs> well, as you guys know, we're going to talk to Carlos, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about what's happening in the community, including uh, Running Aces tournaments are relaunching. We've got a special rec poker announcement related to that. Uh, we're going to go on another road trip here at the end of August with the Run Good Poker Series. We'll be down in Florida, and we got to tease a little bit about September, maybe some other things happening there. Uh, you'll hear who the home game winners were. We'll talk about the upcoming seminar, the book study, all that kind of stuff. And a reminder, if you are a premium member, you can actually join in during the recording of the podcast. And so all you guys that are jumped on there tonight, uh, make sure you toggle that, uh, that chat over to panelists and all attendees. That way we can all hear what you're chatting about and we can pass your questions on to Carlos. Uh, but with that, let's bring him in. Carlos Wells, welcome back to Rec Poker. Thank you for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. Now, we had you on about a year ago. Last June, we had you on episode 182, so we got to hear a little bit about your story there, but uh, you got some pretty big news that just happened here. So let's, I think we just have to start there. We have to start with July 8th. What the heck happened on July 8th, sir? Well, I was fortunate enough to win the crazy eights. Oh, I just realized it was on the 8th. <laughs> so yeah, it was, July yeah. 8th. And it was event July, number eight. Yeah. July 8, event number eight, uh, eight years after my first appearance on the Thinking Poker podcast, uh, I won the Crazy Eights um, online bracelet event um, for 124K. That's it. Just 124K, just like that. Boom. A little, little bit of gas money. That's all. A little bit of gas money. Yeah. Well, there's 782 entries and you came out on top and... Uh, you know, there's so much to talk about that that piece, but I want to start a little bit with uh, just kind of the getting getting the bracelet, right? So I know uh, you had the video on Twitter where you actually did the unboxing of the bracelet, laying down in the Prius, and I'm just like, this is so good. They told you to do, or they asked you to do an unboxing video once you got home, and you're like, I'm home. And you did, <laughs> right. you did the unboxing from the Prius, and 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 I don't know if you'd actually opened it before or not, but it, it sort of felt like a pretty powerful moment uh as you actually opened it and looked at that bracelet yeah um so at that point um i'd had it for 
about three days, but I never opened it. I wanted oh. to like, you know, save it for the video. Funny story about me getting the bracelet. So first of all, I won the tournament from here at the Rio and it was on the Poker News live stream. Yeah. And I was kind of joking in chat when I won, like, like where will they mail my bracelet? <laughs> um, <laughs> and that actually turned out to be, uh, you know, a legitimate question because the guy, uh, Mr. Johnny Hernandez, who handles the bracelets, um, he was he sent me an email immediately after I won and I responded within 15 minutes. But uh, apparently he couldn't receive emails from me, although he could send emails to me. So hmm. for for about a week, uh, from his point of view, I was ghosting him. <laughs> but uh, eventually they uh, reached out to me. Um, the WSOP Twitter account reached out to me uh, and said, hey, uh, we're trying to get your bracelet to you, but you're not responding to the emails. I was like, I did respond. I so I found... So I, so I responded from a, um, a separate email um, that I have. And for wh whatever reason, that one was able to get through. So um, I told him um, that I was at the Rio still on Thursday. And so we made plans for him to meet me and um, hand it to me in person. So he gave it to me. Uh, I checked out of the Rio on Friday because the rates like, you know, 10x <laughs> for me by the time we get to the weekend. And um, yeah, I did the unboxing um, Saturday morning. From, I love from that. The Prius. Yeah, it felt it felt like you were opening for the first time. So I thought either he's a really good actor or <laughs> or this is the first time opening. And it felt I mean, it sort of I mean, I don't know if you picked up on how many times you watch it, but sort of like, you know, you're just kind of you're so casual, you're so cool, you're so laid back. But it did feel like once you kind of grabbed the bracelet, it felt like there was a little bit of a shift there, like something pretty strong hit you. Like, was there was there an emotional reaction or am I just reading into that? Um. <sighs> I, I mean, I wouldn't say an emotional reaction. Yeah. Um, like, like I wasn't close, close to crying or anything. I was definitely happy. Um, I've been walking around with the box the whole time, but I never opened it. So it was like my first time allowing myself to actually peek at it. Yeah. And it. And it looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. And I think in that moment, I was thinking about how if you'd asked me a month ago, would I ever get one of these? I would probably assume like never. Um, for the First of all, well, maybe not a month ago, two months ago, um, <laughs> before be, be, before I started playing these online events, because um, I don't really enjoy live poker much, especially massive fields. Mm -hmm. So I had no intention of really playing a lot of live bracelet events. So that immediately takes winning a bracelet off the table. But once um, I was able to get a diamond card, and they um, started having these online events so I could be here with the diamond card to actually play them. Then it kind of became a possibility, but still, like you said, it's like almost 800 runners uh, battling with much better players than myself. So it's still kind of a long shot. Like I was happy just to make the final table. So to actually win was definitely like, you know, I was through the roof. Yeah, I, I love that. I know that last time we talked about that kind of the game selection, you, you don't like large size tournaments because you want to have a better opportunity to win. And I thought that was a very interesting conversation. So that is, that is fun now that you you've entered this and maybe this will change your mind a little bit <laughs> along, uh, along the lines of, but no, he's like, no, it won't, it won't. 
I want to talk a little bit about the about the cash. Uh, you know what I mean? We haven't talked directly, so I'm just hearing this from different articles that have been written and that sort of thing. You know, one of the things that's been reported is that you're using at least some of the $124,000 to buy your mom a house. And so I want to chat a little bit about that, about, you know, what what's happening there. And, you know, if, if there's been consideration for yourself to kind of get a, a home a home space or, you know, kind of how did you go about thinking about how to use that money? Well, I'm happy with my home. So yeah. that won't change. Um, and, and for um, people that don't know, he, he lives out of his <laughs> Prius, right? Like, yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, my, Love it. my home is my home is a Prius. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, uh, what I've said is that maybe um, three, four years down the road, maybe. So this one was like, uh, it's a, I paid 6k for it. Um, and it's a 2014. Mm-hmm. And so probably like four years down the road, I'll probably pay 10k for like another used one that's yeah. uh, several years old. Uh, but I got to get the 6k out of this one before I start upgrading. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and <laughs> after know. my own heart. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave any money on the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so um, that's eventually that will eventually happy happen for me. But for now, I am ha- happy with the Prius um, and, you know, bouncing between here and the Rio or wherever I could get, you know, very cheap hotel rooms. Um, But the house for my mom is basically just like, you know, something for my whole family because my my dream is that that will be like the um, central point for you know all my family members mm. to come and go as needed like currently that's my my grandmother's house but her house is smaller um than the one that i hope to get and also um um you know um in the future when you know my mom takes over that role her place is even smaller than my grandmother's place mm-hmm. um and it's an apartment so i'm looking to like you know upgrade you know the um Welch headwaters for for the whole family <laughs> something with some land which you can get for a pretty good price in georgia <laughs> i i love that yeah i mean i'm in rural minnesota and i talk about land like the price of houses and land people are like what because there's used to the, like california pricing and i'm sure <laughs> georgia's maybe the same way and i i love that i love that idea i mean it must to me it just implies that family means a lot to you that your family's close like to have a central location for your family to gather uh, you know, talk, talk a little bit about that. How, what is the role of family in your life? What is your sibling, you know, what, how many siblings do you have? And kind of talk a little bit about family in, in your family. So I have three brothers, um, um, two of which um, have the same mother and father, and then one who's my father's son. And um, we, um, we're close, but we all live very different lives I, yeah. I i'm probably like the oddball out of the family as far as like <laughs> you know living in cars and traveling around the world and playing poker and stuff so um we're not super similar but i view you know as the oddball who's you know fortunate enough to be able to have these opportunities i view i have i feel a responsibility to um, share it with them um, who um, aren't, you know, able to do the things I'm doing. So that's kind of how I view it. Um, I'm there probably uh, only for the holidays. And even then, I would say maybe like a week or two um, Mm -hmm. during that time. So, you know, this is like one of my ways of like making up, 
you know, for my absence. Mm, uh, super cool. I mean, kudos to you. I just love hearing people talking about family and valuing family and, and all that sort of stuff. That's, that's fantastic. So, you know, beyond, beyond the money, uh, beyond the bracelet, beyond getting the fact that you're you're on podcast, which by the way, Jim had you booked before you won this. So we're not just chasing the winners here, but you know, kind of beyond that, is there anything that the, the win did for you in terms of, you know, anything else? Like, you know, maybe, you know, feeling affirmed as a poker player, maybe, you know, opening up new opportunities. Is there anything that it did beyond the money and the prizes and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it, absolutely destroyed my sleep schedule um i didn't i didn't so i recently turned 40 i didn't realize uh that once you get as old as i am that staying up for 24 hours responding to congratulations emails takes about a month to recover from (laughs) so i say 24 it was actually 32 hours before i actually got a chance to sleep and i've been tired all day, every day since then. Um, so that's the one thing. But beyond that, um, my primary reason, like you mentioned that, you know, I'm big on game selection, weaker fields and smaller fields, which would, you know, argue against playing WSOP events. My main motivation for playing those in the first place was to help raise my public profile as a player because um, all of my um, recent online success has been on Ignition um, slash Bavada, which there's no player name. So mm-hmm. nobody really knows, you know, if you're doing well. And so during that time, I've also um, been coaching and selling um, training products. And so I kind of just wanted to like, you know, raise my public profile um, as a coach and, you know, a um, training product provider. So that was one of my reasons for playing WSOP events because these are some of the few, maybe the only online events that are reported on Hindemop. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at my Hindemop, I haven't had any scores since like 2019. It was like fifty thousand like or fifty thousand before this or something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and all that was to not 2019 and yeah. before, and partly. Uh, well, the main reason is because I don't play live anymore. Right. Um, um, and also, um, um, well, I forget where I was going with that. But um, in order to like build up my hand and mop, you know, I, I wanted to play and like, you know, get a lot of caches and hopefully get a final table. Yeah. Wasn't really thinking about a bracelet, but that definitely helps with all the marketing stuff I mentioned. Well, and I love that. I know Jim's got a question too, but just sort of as, as you position yourself as a coach, which you are uh, a very effective coach, but, but yeah, the first thing people might do, is might go to hen and mom and go, Oh, okay, well, who's this guy? And if they don't, do the <laughs> exactly. next, if they don't do the next level of research to recognize how successful you've been online, they won't know. And I just love that. You're like, I'm going to play the WSOP to try to raise my profile. And Oh, by the way, maybe winning it will help. <laughs> you know, playing it doesn't really raise your profile. I mean, I played WSOP. That doesn't raise my profile. Winning one might help my profile. So that, that's pretty cool. Uh, Jim or John, why don't you go ahead? John's got a question. Then Jim. Yeah, I was just going to mention, you know, Phil Gordon said uh, back in the decade or so ago, <clears throat> there are two types of poker players, those with a bra- outer bracelet and those with a bracelet. And now that you are in the category mm-hmm. of those with a bracelet, do you need to change the branding of your 
uh, coaching because I think you might be better than mediocre coaching. <laughs> um, nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I, I I really like that name, but everybody that knows me, all everyone that's close to me has been trying to get me to change that name. Like <laughs> everyone hates it except for me. I think, um, and, and I talked to a friend about this recently, and I think that conversation may uh, may convince me to change it uh, to something that conveys what I'm trying to convey a little bit better because my my thought process and, and it hasn't changed like winning a bracelet doesn't all of a sudden make me you know a great mm-hmm. poker player um so my my what I'm trying to convey with the term mediocre is that um it doesn't mean bad it just means middle in fact I saw I saw a graphic on Twitter one day and I copied it that word the etymology of that word, midi obviously means middle and okra means mountain. So it's like halfway up a mountain. Hmm. And if I view poker as a mountain, I have no desire to get to the top of that mountain. I have no desire to put in the work it takes to become number one on GPI. I'm very happy happy in the middle. <laughs> so that's what I mean by mediocre. And I, and, and I love rap music. So mediocre poker, the fact that it rhymes <laughs> is, is pretty cool to me. But a friend of mine, um, we talked recently. And if you read my Twitter profile, um, another moniker I've given myself is professional poker student. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think may um, convey a little bit better the message um, than mediocre because I don't think anyone would view someone who would no, no one would say that a person who viewed themselves as a uh, professional poker student no one would view that with a negative connotation like mediocre poker has for people who don't really understand what that word means so maybe I'll change it to that but at no point will it be you know elite poker coaching or something, just <laughs> bracelet winner coaching just because I binked the bracelet. Like, you know, uh, Jamie Gold has a bracelet. Uh, Jerry Yang <laughs> has a bracelet. Um, winning a bracelet does not all of a sudden make you feel odd. Yeah. yeah. You might want to think about adding, you know, you could just add another tagline, you know, to mediocre poker coaching with humility. Yeah. That's really what you're doing. Well, that, that, John- That's exactly it. It's interesting you said that because I was going to say, you know, obviously it depends on your audience and everybody's personality is different. And, you know, I'm a business coach, so I'm dealing with this sort of stuff all the time. And, and, you know, what it conveys to me is, is humility. Like, obviously I don't think somebody who's mediocre, like bad at poker is out there doing coaching. Like you're never going to have a business doing it, but it it creates, you know, humility or, or sort of signals humility to me. Now, not everybody wants that, right? Some people want that, that person that's going to convey you know, pride, arrogance, confidence, that sort of thing too. So it's kind of, you know, what kind of students are you trying to attract? And for me, I see it as appealing thing. It's interesting. John picked up on that humility side of it as well. Yeah. Uh, The last point on this, like, like for whatever reason, that word mediocre equates to bad in a lot of people's minds. But when you rank all the poker players from best to worst, being halfway up that Mm -hmm. list isn't horrible (laughs) because guess what? Here's the, here's the beauty of it. Um, you can do this for a living if you're halfway up this list, as long as you play with the people below you, <laughs> which is why I understand that about myself. I'm not going to start firing 10Ks just because I want a bracelet. I'm, 
I'm kind of excited for this online WSOP to end so that I can get back to uh, um, playing on Ignition and Bovada, where I definitely feel like I'm closer to the top. So you can go with the, the better than bad coaching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're stomping out the bad, bad players. Uh, Jim, did you have something? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that is right what I want to talk about because, uh, you know, one thing that I always tell people is like, take what you want and pay for it. And if you know what the cost of something is and you're willing to pay that cost, then take it. And like being one of the best poker players in the world, I can tell you what the cost of that is. It's a lot of hard work. It's not having much fun in your life that isn't poker. It's like, but, but if you're not going to pay that, then don't, don't try and be the best person to poker in the world. And like, you know, another way of saying mediocre is saying like good enough. And if you're trying to be good enough at poker to be freaking awesome at enjoying your life, then I think that's, you know, that's the kind of coaching that I would want to get. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, my, my real question though is, uh, so how do you study now that you're all, you know, you got the bracelet, you're hanging up. Uh, that's it. Now, now everyone knows you're the man. Um, I was hosting a, a Learn Pro Poker study group the other day that you popped into. And I was like, oh, here's Carlos. He's, he's grinding it out. He's killing it um, on, the, on the online felt, but he's still dipping into this study group and watching videos um, at Learn Pro Poker and that kind of thing. So how, how do you study? How do you work on your game? And why are you, why are you studying at Learn Pro Poker like, like we are? Yeah, so Learn Pro Poker, I would say, has been the biggest influence on my um, most recent advancements in my game. That started pre-Learn Pro Poker when I hired Ryan LaPlante to um, coach me um, one-on-one, and then naturally I just transitioned um, to a member of the site once he started it. But yeah, the weekly um, study groups um, on Learn Pro Poker. Um, I did, you know, come into one of the uh, Rec Poker League um, study groups. Um, yeah, just, you know, getting in the reps every week, every week, um, um, submitting hands. If, if there's any regulars to um, Ryan's weekly study groups, they know that I'm constantly in there chatting with hands. And here's the beauty of it. All those study sessions are recorded. So you can go back to the beginning of Learn Pro Poker and see how fishy my questions were in the beginning to see the, the, the progression. Um, so Ryan definitely really opened my eyes to a lot of the um, um, exploitive stuff that I do. And then also helped me scratch the surface on some of the uh, more theory stuff. And beyond that, um, um, Range Trainer Pro um, has helped me with the theory stuff, um, especially the um, post-flop um, beta test that we're doing right now. Um, um, DTO Poker is another uh, program that I use to study. Uh, a new one that I really like that I don't think very many people know about yet is um, GTO Check. It's similar to... Um, I have trouble describing it, but I'm just gonna say it's like a solver. Uh, I, th I think it's solver based, but there's like more to it. Um, but yeah, just, um, you know, starting to, um, starting to use a lot of these programs that are solver based 
even though uh, because I am a mediocre poker player, I'm too I'm too lazy to actually use the saw for myself. <laughs> I, I wait for these guys smarter than me to use right. it and then yes. talk about it, and then I, I go from there. Same thing with um, um, Razor Edge. Uh, that's another site that I've used that you know kind of similar. Their stuff is solver based, and and that helped me prepare to play you know the tougher games on WSOP where I've had to battle with Negranu and um, uh, Michael Mizraki and uh, Ryan himself I've had to play against, which is not something I'm used to. So yeah, all, all those uh, theory-based programs help me get better with that. Um, and I know we've sort of been talking on Twitter. We're heading down we're getting a rec poker house in Vegas for WSOP. We're going to maybe do some activities down there and help people learn a little more about uh, poker recreationally. Um, you uh, have written in the past and shared on, on podcasts about going down and grinding the lammers and having that be a good way to put a bankroll together. Can you talk a little bit about for some of our other recreational players that may be coming down for the first time, what are some like, out of the way tips and stuff like that, where maybe they can build a bankroll or find an edge or save some money on paying for food or lodging or something like that. Help make it easier for our members to have a good time down there. Um, tips about saving money or tips about winning lammers? Well, well yeah, so like a recreational player that's going down that wants to find some soft action, but also not get taken, you know, whatever you think is really high value. Um, so if you've ever, and I guess this isn't, as much of a thing anymore. But when I got started in poker in the early 2000s, um, it actually, like a lot of people grinded sit and goes and I was a sit and go grinder. And if you had any idea of how to play sit and goes online, even for like small states, you were like a massive favorite in the single table satellites um, during the World Series. So that's basically how I built, built my role in the beginning. Um, if someone's coming up now, I don't know if there's a lot of sit and go action online like there used to be, but if you do have a sit and go background, I highly recommend playing the single table satellites during the World Series. Uh, first of all, most people there don't really understand the strategy. And my favorite part about those is deal making at the end, because you can actually make some pretty profitable deals um, again because people don't understand you know how it works or or they're playing it to try to get into an event and if they're just like a couple of dollars short for it they'll just take enough to like you know get into the event meanwhile you're grinding them to not use the lammers to get get into an event but you're actually going to sell the lammers to um you know pocket the money so that's how i built my role i highly recommend that um um, definitely don't sell the lammer for less than face value. Um, it's fairly easy nowadays to get someone to um, buy those from you. If you are playing it for the money, don't like, you know, get bit by the um, tournament bug and like use the lammers to actually fire WSOP event. If that wasn't your original plan, stick to the plan, stick to the plan and use the money to build your role. If that's what you came there for. Um, as far as like, money saving tips um don't buy water bring your own water <laughs> i see guys like you know buying like what is it, like six ounce bottles of water uh well they're free but you tip so as i i view it as buying you know a dollar a bottle for six ounces of water when you can bring a gallon uh for free from home um so that's one thing that i've done that i would recommend um 
man, as far as like, you know, it's getting harder and harder with um, lodging in Vegas now, especially with the pandemic. Um, the, um, I mean, you can forget about a rental car. <laughs> that used to be something <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, even Airbnb is getting kind of expensive. Uber is going up. So, man, it's getting harder and harder to save money in Vegas. I don't know how adventurous these people are, but, you know, I definitely bought a bus pass the first couple of years I was here. And if you're looking for entertainment, that comes with the bus pass. <laughs> because, you know, there's some pretty weird people who live in Vegas. So bring a bring a gallon of water, get a bus pass, and, and sell your lambers. <laughs> a gallon of water and a bus pass might be the most on-brand Carlos advice <laughs> we've ever been given. Are you kidding? <laughs> <I love that. laughs> hey, I've got, I got one question that I must I must have missed that was in the chat, Carlos. I kind of want to go back a little bit, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here pretty quick. But uh, Kean is one of our premium members. He was in the chat, and he's just asking about uh, you know, have you had other close calls with the WSOP or have you made any other final tables? And I think, I know you don't play a lot of WSOP events, so maybe we can extrapolate that out to other, you know, some of the other online tournaments that you've played. Have you, have you had the big, the big moment, uh, with, with other tournaments or was this kind of the first real, like first real big moment where you got to that final four, final five, and we're playing for a ton of cash. You know, what's funny. So I got my, um, diamond car in May. And that allowed me to come to the Rio um, and get these super low rates without paying a resort fee, which you won't be able to do in October because now every night is a weekend night um, with the <laughs> rates. Uh, once the demand increases because yeah. of the lot of WSOP. But um, the first tournament I played when I got to the Rio on WSOP.com um, I forget what tournament it was, but I was able to win that one for like seven or eight K, nice. but it wasn't, it wasn't a series event. Um, it was just like a regular run of the mill tournament. They one of their dailies or something. Um, so that was like my first time winning any type of WSOP event. Other than that, I mean, I cashed the main event. Um, first time I played in 2015, but it was a min cash for like, you know, 15 K. So I haven't gone deep in any um, bracelet events um, or ring events um, live. Like I've made a day two, but again, didn't cash. And um, um, don't think I even came super close to cashing in that. So, but, but this is something that, you know, people will either love or hate, <laughs> maybe both. Um, I think I've only played, uh, at the time that I won the bracelet, I think lifetime I probably played maybe like 10 bracelet events mm -hmm. up until that point. So some people definitely grind, you know, all summer trying to win a bracelet. In the past, when I was here doing the WSOP, I'd be playing down at Binion's or playing at Hollywood or something. Wasn't really playing bracelet events because I'd rather play against worse players. I want to be somewhere where I don't have to run into Tony Dots every other, every other tournament like you do on WSOP.com. Um, so yeah, um, this was the first time I've had, I've even been close to this kind of success in a uh, bracelet event. So yeah. Does, does it change sort of your perspective on how, what you're going to play going forward? I, you seem like you're pretty, 
disciplined guy, kind of sticking to my strategy. If I'm going for lammers, I'm going for lammers. I'm not going to get caught up in the, the hype and now playing a big tournament. But does this now having this sort of a bankroll, the confidence that comes from this, does it change sort of your approach to what to tournament selection? Or are you going to stick with kind of what's been working? <laughs> probably different, probably in a different direction than you would think. Um, so like I mentioned, my original plan was to get a bunch of WSOP caches, maybe get mentioned in a couple of updates yeah. to uh, to like try to raise my profile. Yeah. Um, but now that I've won one, um, I've kind of accomplished that goal. So I'm still going to play the smaller, like maybe 1K at the most um, um, bracelet events throughout the uh, rest of the um, trip, which is, I guess, like, another 10 days or so before this um, this series ends. But they're also running a ring event series alongside the bracelets. And I was going to play those also, but then I noticed those don't get updates. Mm. So I'm not going to play those. If you give me the choice between playing ring events with Tony Dunst or ignition tournaments, <laughs> the ring events I would take if there's a marketing aspect to it as well. But without that, I don't really see the reason to play against tougher fields. So even though I have a bigger bankroll now, um, I'm only going to play bigger events and tougher events if there's some marketing aspect for it, it, it for yeah. me. If not for that, you know, I'd rather just play where it's easier to win money. So you need to you need to drive to Florida at the end of August. We're going to be down there for the Run Good Poker Series. Down there, we got a house. We can we can hook you up there if you want to stay with us. But Poker News covers those main events. So even I got publicity. Even I, <laughs> I can't imagine publicity you would get. But uh, tongue in cheek a little bit. But of course, uh, we we travel with the Run Good series a bit. So obviously, it'd be fun to connect with you on some of those. But do you travel uh, for any of those sort of other sort of circuits, or is it really just where you happen to be? And then answer that. And then I know Chris has some questions from our members. I used to, um, not anymore. Of course, none of us did last year because of the pandemic. Right. But even before that, I kind of like settled in and, and was pretty happy with um, how I was doing on um, Ignition. Um, but before that, I would say 15, 2015, 2016, I did a decent bit of traveling through Florida, actually, when I first, um, I bought a van first and I lived right. in a van before I got to the Prius. I bought that van and I just drove down the West coast of Florida and back up the East coast, just hitting Sweet. casinos along the way. Yeah. And uh, so I played um, smaller stuff back then. Um, but I was, um, I was more willing to play live poker back then for some reason. Now I just really don't want to sit at a live table um, for hours and hours. Like if I break an online event, it, it sucks for like 10 minutes. <laughs> if I, if I, if, if I, if I bubble something, I really wanted to, you know, do well in live, it just hurts more. So the, yeah. the, the, the pain balances out of whack. Now. So <laughs> if I'm going to play live, so this is one goal that I haven't accomplished yet. Um, believe it or not, it's pretty hard to impress my mom. <laughs> so, you know, you know, 124 K, uh, 
you know, that gets half a mention when I when I tell her about that. Um, she doesn't really care about the bracelet. So my next goal, my scheme to like really impress her with poker is to maybe play on TV one day. So maybe so so maybe I'll play like some HPT events, something like that, where I can get even though the field might be a little bit bigger yeah. than I'm used to, but because I can now afford afford to play like main events for around fifteen sixteen hundred dollars. Um, I think those fields are probably softer than the same buy-in level in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So if I did any traveling, it would be to play something like that, but it needs to be televised um, and, and, and televised. Not, I thought I could fool her with like streams, right. but somehow she knows the difference. Recording. She knows the difference between a live stream. <laughs> but if I can get on TV, if I, if I can get on TV, I think I can finally impress it. I love that. Chris? Carlos, I know we got to wrap up soon, but um, this, there's a question from uh, one of our uh, members, Roger, about soft fields. And I kind of want to jump on with that with my second question. But so uh, Roger's question is, how soft are the fields in small buy-in events at the WSOP? And my add-on question to that is, um, without giving away all of your secrets, um, if somebody wants to sort of like says, this seems like a really, actually this Carlos seems to be onto something. I want to find myself some soft fields. Like how do you, how do you scout? How do you like go about and say, like, look through a schedule of all the things going on and say, this is, the, this is where I want to be today. Um, as far as like how soft this small WSOP events are. Um, so I won the bracelet. And then two days later, I played this $33 buy-in, which I think, is the smallest one they do um, during the during this bracelet series. It was like ignition. Um, some of the worst play I've seen. Uh, like identifying if the play is going to be soft before you get there. Um, basically, just like ask your poker friends where they're playing and then go somewhere else. If you, <laughs> that's what I used to do like in Vegas like you know I would always find out where Andrew Brokers is going to be and I would get as far the hell away from him as I could a lot of times that would have me down at Binion's or uh wherever else so that's a good piece of advice um don't don't play with your friends if if you're studying your friends are probably decent <laughs> um so go where they're not willing to go and once you're in the game um look for limpers whenever i'm at a table and there's not like within the first 10 hands if i haven't identified at least four players as like habitual limpers it's a tougher game than i'm used to and i did see that in the the third the 333 that i played on um wsop.com the bracelet event but all the other ones i was like yeah there wasn't a ton of limpers nobody there, there were not a lot of obvious mistakes I saw that I had experience exploiting um, like I'm used to on ignition tournaments. And if you're talking online, just play on ignition. Even the even the, the $1,000 tournaments on there itself. And, and so, so last question, Carlos, from, from Paul Parker, who's one of our members. Uh, how did you adjust your game then from, you know, playing on ignition where things are, you know, using your exploitive play on ignition to now at the WSOP final table, what sort of adjustments did you make? How did you approach that, that differently? Great question. And this is a question that's kind of like bittersweet because it's, 
I basically answered this question in the article, my la- my most recent article in 2 Plus 2 Magazine, where I've written for eight years. Um, it's called Adjusting to, Tupper, to Tougher WSOP Games. And it's bittersweet because, w- I mean, 2 Plus 2 just sold the forum and they're discontinuing the magazine. So this will actually be my last article. But, but I wrote this article about how to compete in WSOP events. And then a few weeks later, I won a bracelet using these um, tips in the article. So basically what I said in the article is open bigger than a men race when you're at tougher tables, because on ignition, it doesn't really matter what size you open. Almost every hand is gonna go multi-way. So if it's gonna go multi-way, I'm probably gonna lose it anyway. So I'd rather lose two big blinds as opposed to two and a half or three. But when you're up against tougher players, your open size actually matters. Uh, The defending range out of the big blind is a lot different versus a two and a half big blind open than the men race. So if you wanna like get that player out and that player's competent, you know, use a bigger sizing. Also um, do a lot more checking when you get called from out of position, which um, if you're in a software game, that's gonna happen a lot. Um, like some people oversee bet too, they see bet too often from out of position, just they feel like they're entitled to see bet just because they were the pre-flop raiser, but you burn a lot of money that way. Um, and what was the third one? Oh, there was two more. One, don't, don't overflow your bluff catchers before the river. That is a great, um, that's an asset when you're playing against these passive players that do a bunch of limping because they don't bluff enough. So if they're not bluffing enough, you do want to overfold your bluff catchers. But when you're up against better players, um, they can exploit you if you overfold your bluff catchers. So you definitely have to stick around on the turn with hands that may be a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least until the river, then you can maybe make some hero folds. And the last one, which has been a big one for me, is make them overfold their bluff catches on the river. Especially if you're not a regular in these games and they don't know you. Because you've seen, you, you, you've heard good players often face a check raise on the river against some unknown player who's likely passive. And you think in your head, man, they always have it. And like one of the big pieces of advice that we constantly give new players is to like, you know, don't bluff catch people on the river. So if they don't know you and they're a good player, they're not going to expect you to be bluffing in those spots. So you can actually exploit that common piece of advice that good players um, give each other. Nice. Great answer. Well, guys, we're, I think we're at time. Anything else is kind of burning question from the panel or from the, the members at all. Obviously, we could chat with Carlos all night, uh, but we do want to respect your time. But all right, I don't see anything else uh, coming out there. So, Carlos, I think we'll let you go there. But man, thanks so much, and, and congratulations. You know, I mean, there's, you know, we're 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 a community. Rec poker is a community, and we just love rooting for people that are good people that seem to be doing well, that seem to be having, you know, being a force for positivity in in poker and you certainly seem like one of those guys again or you're the world's best actor i don't know but, <laughs> but uh, you know you're, you're just one of those guys you're easy to root for and we'd love to see the the, the money flow your way and we'd love to see what you do with it and uh and improving your family and improving uh your community and all those things uh it means a lot so congratulations young man 
Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I always have fun. And I will see you guys in two days in the study group, hopefully. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sounds sir. good, young man. All right. Well, well there you go. It's Carlos Welch. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that. We're going to listen to hear from Jonathan Little, uh, and then we will come right back uh, with some of the community happenings. Have you ever okay. wondered whether you should call Cheers. a preflop raise or a three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. That's a lot. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. You heard it, pokercoaching.com slash rec poker. Sign up there. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Carlos Walsh, thoughts, mm. feedback. What do we think? Still just one of our one of our favorites, you know. Um, everyone loves Carlos. He's uh, it's a testament to the Thinking Poker podcast that they latched on to him so quickly and they've kind of like been the the platform from which he's uh, he's leapt. But it's great just watching him ascend in the poker world has been has been a pleasure. Yeah, it's it's I he's one of my favorites too. I just I love listening to him on any podcast he's on. The other I will take I I like I have one point to pick with him which I probably should have done uh in the interview, but like you know like he talks about not wanting to work that hard or not wanting to be the best in the game or whatever, but he works really hard. Like he's, he's yeah, in these yes. study groups, he's he's working on his game, he's you know, so he might not be like, you know, going deep into the lab 7 days a week or whatever, but uh I mean, I think he, he, he sells himself a little bit short, uh, but, but he's, he's just a, he's a, he's a pleasure to listen to. And I, I'm glad he's in the poker world. Well, and I also think he, he is definitely above the 50% mark, you know, because 90% of poker players don't make money playing the game. Right. So right. because we're losing rig to the casinos, right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so he's definitely way above. Yeah. He's not at the middle of the mountain. He right. might not. He might not want to get to the top, but he's not in the middle of the mountain. Right. He's maybe yeah. mediocre among those who are at the top third. Yeah. 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 The mediocre top third guy. A lot of players haven't even reached base camp yet. So <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he needs a Sherpa that's not quite as fit as some of the other. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Well, anything, uh, man, it was fun to have Key and Martha, Paul, Roger, fun to have you guys on there as well. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the community. I got a couple real quick things uh, before we go to John. The first of which is uh, for those of you who are in Minnesota and, and the surrounding area, you've maybe seen that Running Aces is relaunching tournaments in August. Uh, they have not uh, gone public <laughs> with their tournament schedule, uh, but they are coming. And uh, we have authorization to announce this today, uh, that, uh, that Tuesdays, uh, and we'll have to edit this out if they somehow change things, but Tuesday morning <laughs> at 10 a.m., well, no, they, they told us, you know, we should be able to announce it. Eight days from now, this will be released. But uh, Tuesday mornings, the 10 a.m. tournament, uh, we don't have specifics on what it's going to be. Uh, but it is going to be a Rec Poker co-branded tournament. So Ooh. their weekly Tuesday morning 10 a.m. tournament is going to be a Rec Poker tournament. Yes. Uh, what that means uh, for us practically is that that means we're going to give the shout out to the winner. We're going to mention them on the podcast. Uh, we're going to start keeping track of the points 
that are earned. So running aces used to have player of the week. I don't know if they'll still do that, but we're going to have our own system if, if we're not using theirs. And we're going to start keeping track of who's earning points in these Tuesday morning tournaments to eventually kind of have a, a rec poker running aces player of the year kind of thing that we're going to do. So we got a few other things up our sleeve, but uh, that is the long and short of it. So that'll be that'll be really fun uh, to do that. We're hoping to do that a few other places, but uh, that's one thing we know. So there is going to be a Tuesday morning 10 a.m. tournament. We just don't know all the details of it yet. I don't even know. I, you can tell I don't live in Minnesota, and I'm so excited about this. I'm bouncing in my <laughs> on my mat right now. I can, this is so cool. I can't believe we've got a weekly tournament running aces. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it's only a couple weeks away, or it's going to be like a week away from when this thing airs that first that first Tuesday in August. So uh, I know I can make that one after that. I can't make like three or four and I've already ticked off about it, but we'll, I'm sure we'll <laughs> Player have of the year race. plenty of representation there. I know I want to win something. Uh, so that's coming up. That's cool. As you guys know, we're going to Florida for the run good poker series. We're going to be down there at Seminole, Seminole Casino Coconut Creek or something like that is the name of the place. Uh, we've already got four of us that are going to be in the one house. There's two more going to be in another location. So we're going to have a little rec Boca road trip down there. Uh, there still are some openings. If you want to come in just for the weekend, uh, we could do that. But it's August 23rd through 29th down there. And they did, they have been teasing uh, on Twitter, on social media, some of their stops that are going to be introduced for September. Uh, I don't feel comfortable sharing those because I don't know when they're actually going to go public with it. Uh, but I can say there's going to be one that's going to be within driving distance for you Minnesota folks. Uh, and so once that's released, uh, we're going to start making plans for that bad, that bad boy. Um, yeah, if you, I'll just say, if you go look at their Twitter, they put out some emojis. And if you correct. like figure, you know, <laughs> you can do some you can figure it out thing and pretty much figure it out. Why don't, I won't, I won't, I'm not going to confirm or deny I do have a little bit of inside scoop, but you just state if you have, what is your hypothesis on what's going to happen in September? Have you Me looked personally? At, yeah, I did. yeah. Have you seen, have you seen the emojis? That they're using? Uh, well, I got to go back and look at which emojis for which date. Well, but, uh, while while he's, much, while pretty much sluiced out all the spots. Because <laughs> this is like this is like a road trip every month for Rec Poker now, right? We had Iowa. Uh, we're going down to Florida. We've got this mystery stop that we're talking about in September, and then it's going to be time for the Rec Poker House in Vegas. Am, am Vegas, I missing baby. something? This is Rec Poker road trips are taking off. Yep, we've had a couple more inquiries into Vegas too. So if that's something you want information on, Rec Poker slash road trips, or get a hold of me, Steve at Rec Poker. But we do have room in the house. We got a beautiful house. It's off the strip, private pool. There's a poker table. There's a pool table, uh, four separate bedrooms, plus like a bunk bedroom. Uh, so if you just want a cheap place to stay, we can do that uh, as well. We're going to be there uh, October 6th through November 5th. Those are the dates that we're going to have the house. Uh, so check out the schedule and just reach out and we can give you some prices and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I heard from our buddy Carlos that it's kind of hard to get a good, reasonable place to stay in Las Vegas. And I was like, damn, I just wish there was some awesome group of guys and gals uh, organizing a rec right. poker house that I could come hang out with. And it's going to be, it's just really good people there that are, that are, that are yeah. signed up. So it's going to be a great, great place. Chris, did you have awesome. any, uh, are you wagering any guesses yet or were you not able to find it? Oh, I'm, I'm, no, sorry, I'm not. He's playing online or something. Who knows what? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up the. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're doing, you're setting up the seminar. Okay, I'm setting up the seminar. Which I'll, I'll just give my update. Uh, seminar is happening tonight, and then uh, I'll just jump in line ahead of John. Yeah, go seminar ahead. is happening tonight. We're getting ready for our August seminar. It's going to be all about approaching the bubble. Uh, and I am currently 
on this podcast while I'm setting it up. Right. Behind the scenes. That's the what scenes. I'm doing. Thank you, Chris. If you need to jump off, feel free, honestly, if you need to jump off and do that. I thought you were looking to, you're going to hazard a guess on that. So I was like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting my poker now set up here. It, yeah. All right. Well, Samsky, how about we turn it over to you, man? How about the uh, little home games update? I saw there's a, I did see a name that showed up a couple times that you're going to enjoy in the list. Yeah, Chris will enjoy it. He oh. gets a kick out of it. Um, anyway, so the this last week, we, it was the second Wednesday of the month, which, of course, means it's time for our Mixed Game Championship Series. And Bloop 7, Mark Bloomberg, got yeah. his very first Mixed Game Series win. Nice. Also, we hit, it was the uh, second Monday of the month last week, which means we had our daily series, Tournament of Champions. And on uh, July 12th, Mr. DZZ18, Richard Dietz, got his very first uh, Tournament of Champions win, which comes with the very much coveted silver pin. Mm -hmm. Hey, John, I'll take the shot at the first, I'll take the first interruption here tonight. (laughs) Just because we are sort of in elite company, the first ever historic, right? The first ever silver pin that went out from Rec Poker. The, the person that won that is in our chat is one of our premium members sitting in the podcast, Roger Shoot. So just a That's quick right. shout out there that we've got a piece of history uh, joining us tonight. The very first. Yeah. Yeah. I know normally when I mention a silver pin, Jim always jumps in and said, Oh yeah. I always think of Roger Shoot. I think true. of those silver pins. I do. I do. <laughs> All right. Then on to the nightly events. Magra 44, Doug Grayback got his, Fourth for the year, 15th lifetime. I was going to say, where's he been lately? Doug, don't tell me you're uh, you're falling down to mortal levels of victory here. Yeah, I, I don't know if it, it's he's not winning as much or if he's not playing as much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he may have had work to do as well. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, like all of us, he has a real job. <laughs> he's yeah. disc golfing, man. He loves disc golfing. He's out, he's nice. out disc golfing. There we go. <laughs> then we have Rowdy Worm, Riley Worth. Hmm. got his or her i don't know riley can kind of go either way with that name uh very first nightly series or nightly victory for the daily series Congrats. ace booyah greg got his first nightly victory uncle tom's cabin hmm. jeff s got the fourth nightly victory for the year's sixth uh, lifetime uh, he's always hanging around in that winner's circle yep then night owl chris ruham got his third nightly victory for the year. Nice. In our uh, daily series mixed event, Roadstar 33, Randy Smith won his second mixed event. (laughs) Steve was close in that one, I think. (laughs) Then we have uh, Chris's favorite name. Here we go. Double (laughs) double fun. Here we go. You got to say it twice, John. You can't just get it and say, oh, this guy won't Okay. (laughs) For the 9 a.m. Central Time International event, we have Isma Spike. Oh, that was pretty good. He got it. And then for the 2 p.m. International uh, event on Saturday, we also have Isma Spike. Uh, Yeah. See, Spike, you're winning. You're winning too many tournaments. You are. You've won too many tournaments. Way too many practice. We need somebody else, a new name to trip up John, because now he's just got it down. Sorry, Spike's in the club now. So that was Spike's third and fourth 
international wow. victory. And this is the nice. first time anyone has won both international events on yep. the weekend. Nice. Yep. Another thing for me to remember now, next time it happens, I'll have to say, oh man, it was it was Spike that did that yep. the first time. Yeah, because I probably won't by then. <laughs> <laughs> now we have LPCP Sunday event. And once again, Bloods 1010. What? Carl Anderson. He owns what? that event. That he owns was the it. Third one this year that Holy he has won. Cow. And we only have one of those each week. So that's a pretty uh, difficult one to, to Karma. win. Karma. And of course, don't forget that September 18th will be the next heads up event for Rec Poker. Nice. Yeah, that was super fun too. I'm looking forward to that. So so what is what is Colin doing, Jim, with all of these uh so, he's getting? Colin so Colin's told us to find a way. So this is the third time Colin's won this. After the first one, he said, guys, this was super fun. Um, but I think someone else should benefit from this free month at LPP. And I said, Colin. Within 24 hours, I will figure out a way to give that that prize away. So a week later, he hadn't heard from me, but he'd won another LPP tournament. And he said, uh, you know, Jim, you got to find a way to give this tournament away to a lucky rec poker winner. Um, and I said, tell you what, Colin, I'll start taking this seriously when you win a third LPP um, <laughs> tournament. And I guess he, you know, what can I say? He, he put me in my place. Now we've got three months at LPP compliments. Uh, well, compliments of Ryan LaPlante, but by way of our good friend, Colin Anderson. And I think we're going to have to do something pretty spectacular with it now. Um, because I mean, three, that's, that's Absolutely. okay. All right, Colin, there's gonna have to be some sort of like Colin competition or like some, some, some trophy. That's not a memorial, I guess, but you know what I mean? Right, so you well, and I want to make it clear that uh, it's not that Colin doesn't want LPP, right, but correct. he's already a member of LPP. Remember, yeah. Good so point. he's going to give the free months away. Yeah. But, but even more about how great Colin is LPP would just credit him what he paid for each of those months. And he's choosing instead to donate that. Um, so it's, it's really hats off to you, Colin. That's fantastic. All right. So we got to figure out a way to give those away, man. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. Good stuff. So, so Chris, anything else on the seminar? I know we kind of rushed you through your piece, but anything else on the seminar that you wanted to share? Um, just, a, I mean, if you, the only other thing is um, the other thing that we do is this focus study group. So um, I, I think we've had some, some last month we had uh, mm. Keith monkey system brand uh, lead us through a hand played by Adrian Mateos. Uh, we're taking this inside the mind of the pro series where a pro talks about their, you know, their key hands through major tournaments. It's all filmed. It's really professionally done. It's a really fantastic series. But we're taking that and breaking down specific hands from each episode. Um, and we're, we're asking our members to jump in so that they can learn um, and kind of get better. And, and we can talk through how to use tools like Flopzilla, like GTO Plus, like, you know, basically to, to sort of like be able to then apply it to their own game. Like, how do I, I then analyze my own hands? Um, and we're having a, a lot of fun. It's been really, um, it's, it's so keep uh, keep joining us and if you miss some you can catch up on some past ones but uh we'll be going through looking at another adrian mateos episode in the coming month so so premium member says all right man that sounds really good but i, I i'm not sure what i'm supposed to do like where do i find that or you know so you yeah just, it's yeah it's you just go to the website you sign up for the group uh the focus uh it's just one of the groups that's listed there and once you sign up there you'll see all the posts um you can you know uh catch up on all the, the videos the conversations 
uh, and uh, and Jim runs uh, a study group uh, every Saturday. And one of those Saturdays, they uh, also talk about uh, some of, some of the content that came up during during the focus session. I love it. So get in there if you're a premium member. Get in there, sign up for the group, uh, the focus. Even if you're not going to plan on doing it right away, just get in there. Then you can get connected with to see what all the stuff is, all the hubbub is about. But it's, it's again, it's, it's Jonesy combining all this world-class content with community, with discussion, with learning, all of that stuff, right? I mean, leveraging the stuff that's out there, uh, which, is, yeah. which is a fantastic use of resources. So uh, I love that stuff. Well, I'm not going to get a better segue than that. You can go to rec.poker slash resources, and you can actually find some discount codes for a lot of that stuff that Carlos was talking about earlier. Um, LPP, um, some of the some of the programs he was talking about. If you go to rec.poker slash resources, you can find some codes there. They'll give you a bit of a discount on some of those products as well. So, I, and you know, it all it's about using the tools that are right for you, using the tools that are right for the job you're trying to do. There's a lot of different tools out there. There's a lot of different ways to study poker. So, um, find the one that's right for you all right well i know we're a little bit over good stuff anything else for the good of the order guys or we'll we'll wrap it up i forgot this is probably the night i'm supposed to end on time because of the seminar i totally, <laughs> totally forgot that we have to end on time but uh, anything else uh john chris jim all right well we can wrap up there make sure if you like what you're hearing about the whole rec poker premium membership thing just go to rec.poker Use the code RECPOKER, R-E-C-P-O-K-E-R. You get 10 bucks off your first payment. 15 bucks is the first year's price or first month's price. Uh, use that code. You get it for five bucks. Uh, check it out. You can also sign up for our newsletter uh, to stay plugged in with everything else we have going on there. But thanks, Carlos Welch. Uh, thanks to Chris and John and Jim and all you guys. Uh, thanks to Running Aces Casino Racetrack and Hotel. Thanks to Website Amp. Uh, and we will catch you guys all next week. Have a great one, everybody.